This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, August 10th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. The Revolutionary War put on display the tone deafness of the British monarchy. Robert MacDonald, Associate Professor of History at the United States Military Academy at West Point, says the experience of the British has lessons to offer other countries that might wish to engage in adventures abroad. In one of your talks here at uh, Cato University, you talked about the British experience in the Revolutionary War, and you called it How to Lose an Empire. Right. When you described how... uh, the Continental Army treated civilians versus how the British treated civilians. Continental Army did not appropriate people's property. British had no regard for that. And the first thing that popped into my head was, this is terrible counterinsurgency. If you're trying to beat back a, a, a threat that is emerging from the native population, you need to give the other natives reason to support you. And they just utterly failed to do that. I think that's a fair observation. Uh, It's not fair to say that the Continental Army never appropriated people's property, but they were very scrupulous about uh, writing people receipts, recognizing that that property had been taken. Um, One general in particular, Nathaniel Green, uh, was especially exemplary in in the American South in the second phase of the Revolution when the British moved from the North to the South. Nathaniel Green uh, became pretty famous for the delicacy with which he dealed with the civilian population. Um, the British, however, really should have gone to some sort of Dale Carnegie course because they didn't win friends and influence people, at least not to adhere to their cause. Um, they were very uh, brusque. They uh, were very heavy-handed um, and oftentimes would alienate some of their very best allies. I was talking to Robert Higgs earlier about what can possibly constrain U.S. Uh, military uh, adventurism around the world. What lessons should the U.S. take from the British experience of hundreds of years ago in its its you know, broad empire? It's a great question, you know, and, and maybe it's a, a better question for for someone who isn't a historian. I'm I'm thinking mostly about the past, not so much about the present. But certainly, what we can learn from the British is that. In the grand scheme of things, what they hope to achieve in the aftermath of the French and Indian War um, is not what they, in fact, did achieve. The French and Indian War, which the British fought in North America between 1754 and 1763, uh, was a conflict, a world war, really, against the French and the Indians for control of North America, at least the eastern half of it. And during the course of that war, and they received significant support from the American colonists who were proud to be British, proud to fight in behalf of the British, the British national debt doubled. Um, In 1763, for example, the British um, received in revenues from their North American colonies only about 1,800 pounds. They spent, however, in that year something on the order of 384,000 pounds. So obviously the British uh, had a problem. They did the math. They realized that um, the colonies were expensive and they wanted to both prevent future expenses and recoup some of their losses. So they did two things. They uh, issued a proclamation line of 1763, which forbid colonists from settling west of the crest of the Appalachian Mountains. They didn't want them coming into contact with the Indians and getting the British involved in future wars. And that alienated, of course, many of the colonists. But they also uh, instituted a series of taxes. In 1765, you have the Stamp Act. Um, That's repealed in 1766. 
But a year later, in 1767, you have the Townsend duties. Those are repealed in, in 1770, but you still have a tea tax. Um, and these taxes, rather than raising a lot of revenue, led to an increase in colonial resistance and, in fact, a war that was even more expensive for the British than the one that they had been trying to pay off. In my mind, I'm trying to differentiate what the essential problem of the British was, was that they did not understand colonial America or they didn't care. That's a very interesting question. I'm going to guess that, uh, as is most often the case in life and in history, probably both factors were at work. Um, I think that the, the British took for granted that the Americans were loyal subjects. They took for granted that the Americans were very happy to be part of the British Empire, as they were in the middle of the 18th century. Um, Britain was the freest and most prosperous nation on the planet. There was no doubt about it. Um, And the colonists certainly didn't have a a particularly bad deal. Um, For decades, they'd been enjoying the benign neglect of Great Britain. you know, I, I tell my students that it's sort of like uh, when your parents go away for the weekend and leave you with a fully stocked liquor cabinet. Um, they enjoyed all the protections and benefits of the British Empire, but they really didn't have to contribute all that much. They did, however, have their own colonial assemblies. They were, however, taxed within the colonies, um, and they had evolved a tradition of representation that was remarkably direct. They voted for individuals from their districts to represent them in their miniature parliaments, their colonial houses of assembly. The British Parliament had this philosophy uh, that said that the colonists were virtually represented. Um, The colonists had um, representation through members of parliament who kept the, the good order and the common good of the entire British Empire, the entire English speaking world. Um, in their heads and in their hearts, and that they were, in fact, representing their interests. So that's, it sounds somewhat technical, but I think from a philosophical standpoint, that was a big uh, communications breakdown. Ben Franklin and others considered themselves British citizens for a long time, perhaps in Franklin's case, longer than he would later uh, think was appropriate. Yes, right. Um did that serve that attempt at trying to come to a nice solution? Uh, did that embolden the uh, the king? Well, I mean, the loyalty of Americans to Britain almost can't be overstated at the beginning or the middle or the end of the French and Indian War. There was a 23-year-old Fulbert colonel in the Virginia militia who desperately wanted to purchase, as people did back then, a regular commission in the British Army. Um, the British would have nothing of it. I mean, they looked down upon him. They looked at him as a provincial. He was someone who could not, uh, you know, be included among their ranks. And you, you have to imagine what would have been the case if, in fact, they had allowed him to purchase that commission. They had allowed him to attain that status because it turned out that he would, in fact, fight in the American Revolution, not with the British, but instead as the commander in chief of the Continental Army because that was George Washington. Robert McDonald is Associate Professor of History at the United States Military Academy at West Point. We spoke at Cato University in Rancho Bernardo, California. You can learn more about Cato University at cato.org.